This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. The whole point is to align the kids' financial incentives with the direction you want them to go. And a kid 401k with $5,000 at age 16 seemed a whole lot more popular than having to spend it on education, which they'd already had enough of. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we're going to answer a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about raising money-smart kids. Second, we are back with our FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we're going to be featuring BusyKid. This is a chore and reward app that helps kids earn money, save money, and even invest money. I'll be chatting with the CEO of BusyKid, Greg Merced, about the importance of financial literacy and how it can give our kids a bright future. And last but not least, my daughter Zoe's going to join me to read our review of the month, and we're going to have a quick chat about her using this debit card from BusyKid and and how it all went. So I'm going to get a real-life testimonial from uh, my 8-year-old daughter. (laughs) All right, let's jump into today's show. a question on Facebook at Andy Hill MKM from Amanda. And here it is. Hi, Andy. I've recently found fire. That's financial independence. Retire early. And my husband and I are pursuing it full on. We'd love to help our kids who are four and eight years old plan for a life of financial independence too. any parenting money tips to help us get started. Amanda, thank you so much for reaching out on Facebook. This topic, the topic of financial independence for your kids is near and dear to my heart as I'm always looking for ways to help my kids have a better future. And as I've been, you know, doing this over the past few months, I I thought it would be fun to include some others and help me answer the question, add some friends into the conversation. So to help me answer Amanda's question, I'm happy to be joined by the co-authors of the new book, Raising Your Money Savvy Family for the Next Generation Financial Independence. That is Carol Pittner and Doug Nordman are those co-authors. So for those of you who have been longtime listeners, you may remember that we interviewed Doug last year about how he helped Carol invest early with a Roth IRA. And that episode can be found at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 145. Now, it's great to have Carol here as well. So welcome to the show, Carol and Doug. It's good to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Andy. It's hard to believe it's been a whole year. I know. Great to have you back, Doug. It's awesome. This is great. Well, let's start by answering Amanda's question here. So, Doug, I'll start with you. Where do you think Amanda should start with her younger kids if she wants them to be next generation financial independent? Well, we've been we've been testing some of these techniques on the neighborhood four and five year olds. So we're right up there. And uh, at this point, it's it's only about counting and playing with the coins and learning to use them and figure things out. I don't think that a four year old is necessarily going to know that a quarter is five nickels, but they'll be able to look at the coins and play with the coins and have a good time. Eight years old, uh, they're probably ready for an allowance. Excellent. Well, talk talk about that allowance. You know, what? How could somebody at eight years old, or how could parents uh, for for the eight year old implement uh, an allowance system to help them learn about money? Well, it, it's a con- a constant debate over whether you should give your kids an allowance or whether you should put them on commission and make them be entrepreneurs. And uh, those are all good debates. Uh, we don't have a position particularly either way. Uh, the whole idea, though, is to put enough money in their hands that they can make choices. Uh, they won't make good choices, but they'll make choices. And and when you put enough money in your hands for them to make choices and and figure out what they can do with limited resources, so the allowance has to be not everything but enough, then they can figure out what kind of money they're going to spend and what they're going to spend it on and start jumping in there and learning how to 
decide how to manage their money. And there's going to be bad choices, but those are teachable moments where you can feel their emotions out and talk through the whole process and help them understand maybe they got suckered in by the advertising. Uh, maybe the toy isn't as good as their friends think it is and so forth. And all these conversations are teachable moments for the parents. And you guide the kid through the chance to make a better decision the next time that they save up enough money. You'll also find out what kind of personality your child has with money. Uh, we have an analogy that we read from another author, David Owen in the First National Bank of Dad. says, you should imagine giving your kid a $20 bill and they light it on fire and run around the backyard waving in the air like a Fourth of July sparkler. <laughs> I, I love it. So, Carol, I want to ask you, are, as your dad's talking about this, are any <laughs> memories popping up in your mind of, of you know, uh, lessons taught at a young age with regard to maybe making mistakes with money, too? Oh, yes. And, you know, growing up in Hawaii, we do a lot of July 4th and New Year fireworks. So, yes, I did literally <laughs> light my money on fire at some points. Uh, one of the first uh, memories I have is when I was a younger kid, you know, late uh, pre-K, early kindergarten, mom and dad found at a garage sale, they found this uh, plastic cash register that had a bunch of plastic American coins. And I don't really remember if it had dollars, but I'm sure the latest editions do. And I remember just playing with the coins as if it was uh, a bunch of toys. You know, it was the kind of thing where I would start by sorting the coins by size and by color and trying to make little stacks. And it wasn't anything that had to be like, this is what what a dime is, this is what a quarter is right away. But what happened is after a while, I start saying, hey, why is this coin this size? And why is this coin that size? And why does this matter in the first place? And so that's when playtime turned into teaching time. But it was still a positive experience both ways. What I also remember is we used to do like, uh, I would say once a month, Dad, we went to McDonald's, give or take. Oh, at, at least maybe two or three times a month. Right. I, I was a lot of uh, energy as a kid. So anything uh -huh. to get me into the ball pit was the, uh -huh. was the best opportunity. <laughs> And so what would happen is at some point in the meal, mom and dad would call me over and say, hey, would you like uh, uh, some ice cream, a little scoop of vanilla? Yeah, <laughs> ice cream. And so I would run over and usually it would be mom. She would take me over to the cash register. She would hand me the exact change and teach me to say, may I have an ice cream cone, please? And so I'd scamper up to the counter. You know, I'd barely be able to see over the top of it. May I have an ice cream cone, please? And I would put my money on the counter and the, cash, the cashier would punch in all the buttons and I would get my ice cream cone. And so that was another positive experience with money was being able to actually take the money and get a treat, a literal treat. The third thing I remember is buying my first uh, one special thing, which was a Game Boy Color. And I know I'm oh, showing my yeah. age in that one, but <laughs> this was like the late 90s when Game Boy Color came out. I was about six years old at the time. And by then I had saved up enough of my money. You know, I'd saved both my allowance and I'd saved up all the birthday money that I'd gotten from relatives. And I finally had a hundred dollars. I could go and I could buy the Game Boy Color in one game. And that was it. <laughs> but, but those three experiences, it was all about what money is, how you can use money on the day to day basis when you're getting food. And then also how you can appreciate the one special things like the Game Boy. I love that. So, I mean, if we're talking to Amanda right now, Carol, you know, she's got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and a lot of these lessons you're sharing are very impactful for you and you remember them what do you think that um, you know what maybe is one takeaway that Amanda could have from you about you know maybe a, a lesson or a starting point for her for, for teaching her kids it's going to be a little bit different for both the four-year-old and the eight-year-old. What's nice is that they're siblings, so she may find that what one sibling does is going to influence the other sibling and vice versa. So that's something that I never really played with as a kid because I was an only child. Now, the, the four-year-old is going to have a different perspective than the eight-year-old. Naturally, they're different ages. And so what's going to work for the four-year-old won't necessarily work for the eight-year-old. With the eight-year-old, I would start with the allowance and burning the $20 bills, as dad says, lighting the money on fire. <laughs> but with the four-year-old, it's just more about understanding the individual transactions. And so if you hand the credit cards to the eight-year-old right before buying groceries, they're going to be like, yeah, sure. It's just a piece of plastic. I don't care. But to the four-year-old, that might be the most wild thing ever. And they would love to stick the credit card into the machine. Yeah. So giving them those life experiences and then having them see the impact uh, that money has in the future can make a big deal for them. And those are just the beginning lessons as we're talking four and eight years old. I guess, Carol, as you started to uh, get a little older and maybe we're looking at your preteens or teens, what were some of the impactful lessons that your dad and your mom taught you that helped you move towards a life of financial independence? 
The lessons weren't linear. It wasn't like they sat down and said, this is lesson one. This is lesson two. <laughs> it was all based on life experiences and what dad calls the teachable moments. And it would usually be something that happened at school. Uh, dad has a very good story about a bunch of 12-year-olds standing around and bragging about the cars that they're going to have in the future. And it was the kind of thing where one kid said, well, when I grow up, my parents are going to buy me a Cadillac. And another one said, well, when I grow up, my parents are going to buy me a Mustang. And a third kid right. said, when I grow up, my parents are going to buy me you know, a big honking truck of some sort. And I said, well, when I grow up, I'm going to have all the money in the kid 401k that I can do and go spend my own money on a car. <laughs> and so that would be the kind of thing where a dad would suddenly have to turn around to all the parents and explain what a kid 401k is. And I'd have all the kids going, what's a kid 401k, you know? Well, Doug, I think that's a perfect time for you to jump in and tell us what the kid 401k is. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a secret club. Well, we we wanted to practice some kind of deferred gratification, and we were all sitting around one day, my spouse and I, talking about our retirement accounts and our plans and 401ks and the whole retirement account thing. And it occurred to us that Carol was coming up on her eighth birthday, and this was a perfect way to demonstrate retirement accounts and matching contributions and everything that goes into a 401k. And so we, at her eighth birthday, we gave her a raise to her allowance. But then we had mandatory contributions to the kid 401k. And literally, and it literally, it was, hey, you're getting an extra $5 in allowance. Yes, but you're not going to see $3 of it. No. <laughs> and, and the whole idea was to defer gratification. And the way to teach that was to make it a goal that was a whole lifetime in her future. At the age of 16, that kid 401k would finally mature and she'd be able to have $5,000 to buy herself a car. And back when back into the early 2000s, uh, $5,000 would buy you, you know, an eight-year-old car, and maybe you could afford some gas and some insurance and everything else. Uh, that worked great. Now I sat down with a spreadsheet, and uh, I've got a, a tool. We've we've got that available to other folks who want to use it. But that spreadsheet, you know, I used some innovative matching and some stock market returns, and it's an awesome 401k. Everybody in the world wants this 401k, but it <laughs> produced the $5,000. And the whole idea is to take the money that she would have had spent on her anyway. This is money that we were already spending to raise her, but now it's money for her to manage. And so when that 401k matured and she had that $5,000, she could go out and buy any car she wanted. And it was completely up to her on how to make the choices. And I think it removed all the competitiveness. I mean, when those three girls sat around and talked trash about what kind of cars they were going to get, you know, Pimp of My Ride was a big show back then. I think that it helped relieve a lot of the pressure on her and show her the control and show her that she'd have a big decision to make it at the age of 16. So that whole kid 401k is something I've never heard of before, never seen before. It was one of the memories that came up when we first started talking about how did we raise this financially savvy kid. And that was one that uh, we were uh, there were times where we were just trying to stay out in front of the initiative and motivation that this child had. And we were just trying to make stuff up to keep teaching this stuff as she kept learning it. And this was one of those moments. It was an inspired idea by my spouse. And I ran off and did the spreadsheet and we made it all work. And and now you think it's a thing, huh, Carol? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a very good thing because, like you said, it's that deferred gratification. I, I didn't yeah. understand why I need to know that at age eight. But now that I'm age, I'm almost 28. Wow. Um, now that I'm almost at age 28, I appreciate it because that's three quarters of the financial independence movement right there. It's just the patience to let the compounding interest grow. We riffed on the idea of a college fund. Now, you try to explain to an eight-year-old that you're going to save their money for the college fund, and all yeah. they see is that after they finally finish school, you're going to give them more money for more school. That, that yeah. just didn't the – whole, the whole point is to align the kids' financial incentives with the direction you want them to go. And a kid five, 401k with $5,000 at age 16 seemed a whole lot more popular than having to spend it on education which they'd already had enough of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love these lessons. And and Carol, you mentioned, you know, your path or your interest in financial independence. Can you tell us where you are in your journey with regard to financial independence based on these, uh, based on these lessons that you learned from your dad? No, this, this is a good question. Well, I hope this is working, Carol. Haha, <laughs> yes. So at the time of this recording, I should mention that COVID-19 is happening. And the reason I say that is because the markets have been a roller coaster lately. Right before COVID-19 happened, my husband and I just reached lean fi. And so, you know, the number has been changing day by day, month by month as we roll through everything that the economy rolls through with COVID-19. 
but we were, we were right on that cusp. We were right there. And so one of the nice things is that we're not, even though we're on the edge of financial independence, we're not necessarily looking to retire early for my husband. He has a great career in the Navy. He really, he really loves what he is doing and he, he does a great job at what he does. As for me, you know, we, we just had our baby girl, our first daughter, our, our first kid too. And so it's, it's been nice to, even though COVID-19 forced a lot of people to stay at home unexpectedly before that happened, I was already planning on being at home with her. And I'm really glad I get to do that. It's, it's nice to watch her grow and change and, you know, become a person. That's incredible. So what did you do, I guess, over the past um, 10 years or, or so after school? Uh, what did you do for your career? I know you're moving into a different path right now with your with your child. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to answer that question two ways. Okay. Uh, the first way is that when it came to financial independence, that journey really started around age 14. And that's when I got my first W-2 job. And so because I had a W-2, I could open a Roth IRA. And then from there, I could start saving for retirement. And so my financial independence has been a half lifetime in making because I'm almost 28. This started when I was 14. You know, there's been a lot of time in that. And as for moving into the future right now, we can take it one day and one month at a time. At first it's, you know, my daughter is not even six months old yet. So she still needs a lot of attention. She still needs a lot of care. Nap time is still a struggle, (laughs) but you know, as she gets older, that's something where I can start pursuing passions. You know, instead of going back to a job where I'm just trying to earn money, is there a possibility that I can do a job that has a greater purpose and a greater fulfillment? I love that. That 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 is the choice and options that you will have because of the hard work that you've done over the past, like you said, half of your life. That's incredible. So, Doug, uh, you've yeah. you've been an example to your daughter and your family of this financial independence lifestyle. So, uh, just a, remind a good example. A good example. Yes, I'll add yeah, that okay. in there. Good example. Remind uh, like a good example. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> remind everybody when you hit that financial independence point in your life, and then I guess how did you get there. Well, my, my spouse and I reached our financial independence after uh, 17 years in 1999. Uh, back then, at the height of the internet bull market, everybody was financially independent at the end of 1999. And then I stayed on active duty. And I retired from active duty in 2002 at the age of 41. And I have the Navy, a small Navy pension to go with that. But the main financial independence driver was our high savings rate for all those years. And that savings, that investment since then has just kept compounding away through two recessions, a third recession, perhaps. Uh, we have started spending our uh, financial independence at the 4% safe withdrawal rate. And after 18 years, uh, we can see that we not only have enough, but more than enough, just based on the math of the 4% safe withdrawal rate. Uh, the statistics show that 80% of the time you're going to end up with more money than you need. And after 18 years, uh, we're pretty much bulletproof now. So it's been uh, a wonderful ride. And as you get to that point in your life where you've figured out financial independence, that's where the next generation comes up. But, but, but also comes the issue of you're getting older and you're probably going to get to a point in your life where you can't manage your own money anymore. And you want to have somebody you trust. Now, I'm a nice guy and and we did nice things for Carol, but this is about, this is about me. This is about our generation because we want to make sure that we have somebody who can manage finances for us if it's necessary someday. And so we have shown Carol what she can do on her own and how to achieve financial independence on her own. And when the time comes, you know, hopefully many, many, many years from now, then she will be ready to step in and take care of our finances as well. Incredible. I love that. And it probably means a lot to you to see your daughter here today or connect on this call to hear her talk about her financial independence and what she's been able to do. So, so Carol, I have a question for you. I know your daughter's only six months old, but do you see yourself (laughs) carrying on this legacy of financial independence in your family. I do. And one thing to clarify is that financial independence isn't what you start with. It's it's a little bit, it's a big piece. And it's a lot of things that even 20-year-olds have a hard time understanding. What, what I really appreciated growing up was that mom and dad talked about choices. And it was how money gives you more options and money gives you more choices. And that's really where I'm going to focus with my daughter is understanding that money is the way that you can make all the choices you want. Excellent. Well, I think that's an excellent way to end the interview. I want to ask you both, where is the best place for people to connect with you and buy your new book? Because I know it's filled with great lessons and uh, I would love to help people find it. So where, where can people find that? 
Well, for me, I'm working on a blog. It's called childfire.com. So childfire.com. And it's, uh, it's under a bit of construction right now. We've been a little bit busy with a six-month-old. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. And then we're also on Facebook. We have uh, Next Gen Finance as our Facebook page. It's the same title as the book as well. And then I'm on Facebook and Dad is on Facebook as well. Excellent. Excellent. And where, where can people grab the, the book, Doug? Well, we're doing pre-orders already on Amazon.com. So it's uh, ebook format always comes up first. The print edition will come up on Amazon for pre-orders in a couple hours, and then everybody will be able to order what they want. Uh, we even recorded the audio book in our own voices in the same format as the book, that back and forth, you know, our story versus Carol's perspective on how it really worked out. Uh, the reason we recorded the audio book is because James Earl Jones wasn't answering my phone calls and emails. <laughs> well, maybe if you keep trying, I mean, people are really, you know, hopes. are they're, they're in shelter in place, maybe staying at home. So they, maybe they got a little bit more time on their hands right now. And, and the bar is not that high. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Well, you heard it here, everybody raising your money savvy family for next generation financial independence by Carol Pittner and Doug Nornman. Check it out on Amazon. Thank you both very much for being here today. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Tech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring Busy Kid. This is an app where kids can earn, save, share, spend, and invest real allowance. I've invited the co-founder and CEO of Busy Kid, Greg Merset, to tell us more about this financial literacy and parenting tool and how it allows a child to learn real money management skills by completing chores. We're also going to discuss why financial literacy, financial education is important important for kids and where this type of education can come from. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hey, good to be on. Absolutely. I'm excited. This is this is a topic <laughs> that's near and dear to my heart and I know it is for you too. So let's let's get right uh, into yes. it. <laughs> Why do you think it's important for kids to have a good financial education? After you teach your kids not to like 
beat people up and steal stuff. Okay. You need to teach them the fundamentals of money because that's what they're going to be using every day of their lives is their money uh, decision-making skills. And if you just think they're going to get it by osmosis, you're tricking yourself. There's lots and lots of evidence out there that that won't happen, but you have to kind of teach them this stuff because they're going to have to do it every single day of their lives. And so that's really why it's so important is because they're going to use it a lot. Understanding that and then like attacking it as a parent, I think is super key. It's not unbelievably hard. I know a lot of parents are like, oh gosh, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, it's overwhelming, but it's really not if you do it right. And so that's why I think it's really most important because they're going to use a lot. Well, let's talk about some of those essential lessons that we can learn for for kids for finances. What what are some of those that we could t- uh, tackle as parents? All right. So fundamentally, the first thing you got to learn how to do when it comes to money is work because you got to go get the money. Okay. So working is fundamentally the first thing you need to teach your kids. And of course, I'm a big proponent of chores, like good old fashioned chores, because that's how kids learn how to work. Um, and what a better place to do that than at your own house. Cause there's a lot of stuff to do around our house. Like there's a lot of bushes to trim. There's a lot of cars to wash. There's, there's a pool to sweep. Like there's all this stuff and I don't want to do it all. So this is a great way to start teaching your kids how to earn money is by giving them stuff to do and then giving them the money after they do it. Because I don't know about you, but I have searched high and low to find some job out there where you don't have to do anything and you still get paid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I haven't found it. So if you know of it, you better tell me. Uh, oh, no. I, I mean, I've been it. chasing this elusive passive income forever. And I, I, I just I don't think it's passive. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as passive as we want it to be. That's right? right. That's right. Kids need to learn that early on. The earlier they, they kind of get that, the better off they'll be. And then, so earning, it's a one big financial thing that they need to learn. And then they need to learn, I think, the fundamentals are saving some of that money, sharing some of that money, and then spending that money. If you can master that, earning it, and then save, share, spend, like that's truly, that's exactly what we all do as adults. If you think about it, we go out to our jobs, we earn some money, we save a little bit in a 401k or something like that. We share with charity, church, something we care about, and then we spend the rest. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. So we need to teach them that, um, because it's reality. Well, let's talk about the spending side of things. Cause that, that's something we do a lot of, but how do we do that intelligently? Is there a way that we can teach our kids to spend smart? Yeah. Here's what I think. Okay. And I know this might ruffle a few feathers, but we need to teach them how to spend what I call invisible money because Money's not something like we have a big wad of it in our pockets anymore or our purse. Like it's invisible. And so we need to teach them in an invisible way, which at the end of the day is a piece of plastic now, right? It's something that you swipe at the store or you type in the numbers on the internet and then voila, you you bought something. And if you're gonna try to teach that antiquated old school stuff by giving them, you know, plunking it into jars or into a piggy bank or envelopes or something. I don't think that's as effective as it could be these days because money is just little numbers on a screen now. And so teaching kids in that way and using technology, it just makes sense because that's, once again, you're going to hear me say this a lot because it's reality. So why teach them in any other way other than something that that literally is reality? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, uh, for somebody who's been doing the the money and the coins and the jars thing for my kids because they were very young and, you know, dealing with plastic and stuff was maybe a bit too early for them. Do you think as a parent, I'm doing a disservice, you know, doing the money side of things and I need to make that transition? What do you think? Yes, make that transition. Okay. Like a a little kid, I've had many of them, okay? A little kid (laughs) can learn what a quarter means in like five minutes. Uh, He doesn't need to plunk a quarter in his jar or his piggy bank every, you know, every week for six years. Like he doesn't need to do that. Once they understand what that means, oh, a quarter is 25, 25 is 0.25 and it's on my phone. Like they can get that so fast. They're so smart. But let's be real. 
they don't see you going to the store and hauling out a bunch of change out of your pocket and like start giving it to the to the person at the checkout. So it's kind of a disconnect, if you ask me. I, I think let's teach them in a real way. Like one, I think a good example of this is sometimes kids get confused between a debit and a credit card, right? They look the same. They like one says Visa, one says MasterCard, one says MasterCard, one says Visa. But like, what's the diff, right? But there's a significant difference in what they do and how they, you know, how they work. But they don't really know that. So this is a great thing. As you go to make that checkout stand, right, you're not going to haul out the coins. You're going to show them two cards. Say, hey, little Johnny, what's the diff between these two cards? They won't have a clue. Boom. You can have like a one-minute lesson on credit and debit right there in the line, and then they're going to start getting it. Like that's a great way to teach them while you're in the regular flow of your life. Um, about invisible money and how it works. I think that makes sense. You know, kind of what I do right now is, you know, they do the chores, I give them the money, and then we we separate it into the jars. And when they want to go spend it, they give me their money. Then I use my credit card <laughs> to buy the stuff. Card, I swipe. Yeah. And then I'm probably confusing them a bunch because they're like, well, why does dad get my money? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not keeping it. I, I use my card and then I swipe and, and then the bank pulls it and then I got to pay my credit card. And it's like, okay, I probably lost them at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. And you know what? I've done this. I, I did this many times before business kids, but I, I would like say, okay, it's Saturday. I'm like a maniac around the house because I want all these things done. Okay. And I'm just like, okay, Spencer, I want you to wash the car. I want you to mow the lawn. I went, you know, we're doing all this stuff. And I'll say, if you wash the car and you do like a dynamite job, I'll, I'll give you eight bucks because I'm kind of a cheapskate. Okay. Eight bucks. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm on it. And he's just working it, vacuuming it, doing everything. And then he comes to me, hey, dad, I'm done. Come check it out. I check it out. And he's like, where's my eight bucks? You know, I mean, he's like got his hand out. And I'm like, oh, shoot, because I don't have any cash because <laughs> nobody has cash anymore, right. right? Hardly. And so I've got to drive to the bank go through the teller, get a 20 out, go to the gas station, buy a pack of gum to break the 20 to get the eight. It's a total nightmare. Okay. Uh, and all of that just to like, do what? Yeah. Like, teach him in an antiquated way. Like, uh, it's crazy. You. Yeah. I actually went to, went to the bank the other day to try to deposit money. And because of coronavirus and, and COVID, they're not actually even accepting my money. So this, this is even an yeah. amplified reason why uh, we should be having this conversation. Well, let's, let's talk about how busy yeah. kid fits into this conversation. What are you doing to help with financial education and making this process a little simpler? Yeah. So that is truly the whole point is to simplify this whole allowance thing. Okay. And I sometimes describe busy kid as your kid's first job with direct deposit. Okay. Because they're literally doing work. They're, you know, earning money and then boom, that money comes, it comes directly from your bank account into our system. And then we do that magic for you, which is we divide the money up into saving, sharing and spending. And like we talked about, that's what an adult does. Like every day, that's what they should be doing. Right. A lot of, a lot of people just get it and blow it. But we're trying to kind of change that whole idea because that's not a great model to follow, right? So as the money comes in and, and then save, share, spend, save, share, spend, every single time you're reinforcing this, this balanced financial approach. And then all of a sudden the kid gets it. And then when they can take money in that saving area and buy fractional shares of stock, like that's mind-blowing to me. Like an 11-year-old kid buying Disney stock because he likes the movies but now he's understanding, oh, shoot, is the market up? Is the market down? What happened to Disney? And and if you ask that kid, he'll know what the price is. Like I can literally ask my son who's 15 what Disney's trading at. I can, I can ask my other son what's Ford trading at. And they know because they have skin in the game. That's pretty amazing. That's incredible. That's incredible. So how, how do you guys do the investing portion of it? Do you have a partner? How does that work? Yeah, so um, we do. It's a partner stockpile out of California, and uh, they're a great way to where um, kids can go into our platform and browse by brand, okay? Because most people don't know Berkshire Hathaway owns Dairy Queen, okay? They just don't. And But everybody knows what Dairy Queen is. So you can, you can do that and, and let your kids, I always say, let your kids invest in something that they think is cool or they like. Because not only is it 
uh, more interesting to them. They'll follow it. They're just invested in it more because they like it. So give them the ability to search by brand. They can, they can do that. They can buy as little as $10 increments of a stock. And, uh, and there's no fee to do it for them. And it's just like a great place for them to start understanding all of those things like the market and ups and downs. And it's a wonderful thing. And then when they get a dividend, they'll be just like, what is that? You know, <laughs> and what a great, like, tee it up conversation for a parent to have like, oh, a dividend's like when that company earns a lot of money and gives you some of it back. And it's like, wow, really? I can do that? Wonderful way to start learning. I say kids learn best by doing stuff. Not just, there's there's a lot of places, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of places to read and watch videos and do all, all of these things that kids can learn. But when you do something and you like actually go through it, it just crystallizes a little bit better than anything else, I think. That's great. Well, let's talk about the spending side of things on the app then. So the, the money goes in and then how do they use it to spend? Okay. So think about it this way. Kid goes in, they're busting it out, earning money through chores and bonuses like that car wash, you know, and things like that. And then they've, let's say they got 50 bucks in their spend section. They could go in there now and because they have their own Visa reloadable card, okay, they can go in there and tap on a load card and then they can put in the amount that they want. Let's say they want 25 bucks on their card. They tap on that and you as the parent are going to get a notification that says Johnny wants 25 bucks on his card. And so all you as a parent have to do now is approve that. Literally one tap of a button and boom, that 25 bucks is leaving the bucket and going on the card. And now you don't have to go and like break the 20. You don't have to go and haul out the money out of the piggy bank. It's just on the card. And then they're out spending their money. They can go to the movies and, you know, hey, some of the theaters are opening back up here where I am. <laughs> so they could go and they could buy their own candy and they could buy whatever they, you know, thing that they want. And they can do it in that electronic way and start understanding like, holy smokes, when I swipe that card, the money's gone. You know, and they, they look at you as a parent and that happens. And it's like, mom swipes this card. Next thing I, I got new shoes, like sweet, you know, but they don't really understand what that really means until they've scooped up dog poop and taken out the trash and made their bed for a week. And then it goes on their card. And now the card only says I have $12 left. Like that's where it crystallizes. And that's where that light bulb really kind of goes off for them. Yeah, those, those are life lessons that'll stick with them for a really long time. Talk to us a little bit about the chore side of things. Is there, I guess, suggestions on what type of chores to do or do I import that? How does that work? Yeah, so we have a we have a big, long list of pre-populated chores. We also give you kind of the uh, the going rate, okay? I guess you could say for what those chores are worth, okay? We've had millions and millions of chores done in the system, so we kind of know how that rolls. Um, and so we suggest those to you, and, but you can always edit it. Like I said, I'm kind of a cheapskate, so if the if the suggested chore is wash the car for 10 bucks, and I'm like, eh, I'll go eight, that's no big deal. I just tap on edit the chore and, and change it to eight, and I'm good to go. Um, and you can also add custom ones. Uh, you could even upload a picture. So if you want the, the custom chore to be, you know, feed Fido, <laughs> you know, every morning, take a picture of Fido and upload it and, and put, you know, a dollar to feed the dog or whatever you want. Um, so we've tried to make that as easy as possible for parents to really get right into it. Because really, if you think about it, getting up in the morning, kind of figuring out like, okay, what do I got to get done today? Once again, that's reality. That's what all of us as adults do if we're responsible. It's like, what the heck do I need to accomplish today, right? This gets them into a routine. It gets them into a rhythm, a habit where they can like, okay, I'm supposed to do these five things before I go to school. Sweet. All right. Boom, 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 boom. And, all. and even better, I get some money for it. And let's, let's not fool ourselves. Money motivates. It motivates adults and it motivates kids. So like, let's not act like this is a bad thing. This is a great thing to teach them and let them start earning some of that money. Absolutely. Well, so there's a lot of young parents that are listening right now and they're thinking, well, you know, what age would make sense for this? What's how early is too early for the app and, and, and this functionality? What would you say? 
Yeah, I would say, okay, I've, I've lived this. Okay. I've got six kids all the way from 22 to 10 now. Okay. I've lived this, I have battle wounds five to 15 is the window. Okay. That is the decade to make this all happen. <laughs> if you miss the decade, you're up a Creek and they'll probably be living with you till they're 33. Um, <laughs> and then you're in trouble if that's the case. Okay. So that's the decade. You got a couple of years on each end of that decade to, to, you know, you know it depends. So yeah. Some kids are just, they kind of get it quicker and you can start a little earlier and, uh, and some of them need to stay in the, the window a little longer. And that's totally fine. But boy, that decade of five to 15, that's it. Wow. I'm right in that sweet spot there, Greg. I, I, I'm going to have to check this out. So tell, tell me what it costs me it. And, and what and, and like <laughs> the process for, for signing up. How does that work? Okay. So we've made the process as easy as possible to sign up. Uh, you can get it on either of the app stores, you know, uh, iTunes or, or uh, Google. It's a free app card. If you get a Visa card for your kid, it's $7.99 per year per kid. So it's like, <laughs> super cheap. And it, it really, what it does, I think essentially is it empowers you as a parent to start teaching your kids something that they're probably not getting anywhere else in a significant way. Um, if you look over kind of the entire United States, there is some financial education happening. And I don't want to just say nothing's being taught because that's not true. There is some being taught, but just not enough. Um, and I think once again, you come around to the kids learn best by doing, they've got to learn by doing this stuff. And let's be real. Your teacher at school is not the source of your money. Like that's not going to ever happen. The source of the money is always the parent. And then that will never change. <laughs> they're going to be milking you until they're out of the house. Uh, <laughs> once again, I get that because it's happened to me. So let's not fool ourselves in thinking, well, I think she's in a class at school and she must be learning this stuff. Eh. She's probably learning something, but she's not learning like the real fundamentals. And that's by learning, by actually experiencing it and doing it, earning your own money, saving and sharing and spending. Boom. Those are the things. That's great. I always have to ask if, if a company is offering something for free, we just want to make sure how are you guys getting paid? Because we want to make sure our child's data is safe, my data is safe. How does that work? Yeah. You guys are offering it for free. How do you guys How do you guys make money? Yeah, totally fair question. We make money on the card, right? So every time somebody buys a card, we make money on that. Um, we also make money because we have uh, companies that care about financial literacy. They care about the next generation, learn about money. And those companies are actually sponsors uh, with us. Um, and they they send it out to their uh, their clients and customers and literally have a co-branded experience. So that's really the the ways that we make money um, to make that happen. It's super important. I mean, obviously, a company has to make money to stay in business. Absolutely. Um, but we wanted to make it kind of a, a lower barrier of entry so that any family of any kind of socioeconomic background can use it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably more compelling for somebody who's uh, maybe on the lower end of that scale to start using it to kind of make life better. So we're very sensitive to that and we want to make that happen for everybody. I love it, Greg. This has been a great conversation. So the best place to go would be to your app store and type in Busy Kid or yeah. go to a website. What do you think the best uh, follow up is? Yeah, I mean, really, you can go to the app store. It's Busy Kid or it's BusyKid.com. And uh, there, we've got, you know, a lot of stuff on our website to help parents kind of get with it. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, you've got to get your kids busy doing stuff that's going to really set them up for the future. Because there's a lot of just scrolling and messing around, okay, with kids these days. Not particularly learning anything, not particularly giving them the skills to succeed in life. They're just kind of messing around. I think that's kind of our challenge to a parent is like, get those kids busy doing something that's actually going to set them up for success and out of your house. Yeah, absolutely. And help you, <laughs> especially during this time, you've got a lot of time to uh, entertain the kids or, or get them doing something. They might as well help you around the house, right? <laughs> oh, yes. No joke. Okay. During COVID, um, I actually had our two, two boys, 16 and 14, 
paint the entire house, oh, I love like it. the whole outside <laughs> of the house. <laughs> and I love it. Every time I drive up, I think, dang, the house looks really nice. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, those guys were stuck at home and I made them work. So, yeah, you absolutely. This is a perfect time to do it, actually. I love it. Parent freedom in an app, everybody. Busy Kid. Go check it out at your <laughs> local app store. Or go to busykid.com. Thank you so much for your time, Greg. Hey, thank you. It was fun. Between Doug and Carol's lessons and then Greg's Busy Kid app, your kids are going to be money geniuses in no time. As of this recording, the app is free, a busy kid. Go check it out at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash busy kid. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash busy kid. I know there's lots of changes happening with busy kid right now. We've downloaded as a family and we've enjoyed it for the past week. Uh, So yeah, check it out again, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash busy kid. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. Please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find and consider this show. To encourage you to leave a review for the show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received nine reviews since last month's giveaway book offer. And as a reminder, this quarter we're going to be giving away three different books from past podcast guests. And those books are as follows. The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, The Cash Machine by Dave Mason, and an awesome children's book that Zoe and I really dig called Money Monsters by Akoma Moronu. Schreiner. And to help me pick the winner this week, of course, I've got Zoe Hill here. And she's laying on a couch today. She's like a star. What's going on, babe? Good. Good? What's going on is good? <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Zoe, I wanted to ask you about our day today. We went shopping. What was different about today for shopping than, than the typical shopping? Typical shopping? Uh, I had... This new card. Yeah, cool. What did you think about using that card? I liked it. Yeah. I got to swipe. Got to swipe instead of using... Money. Money. What did you like about using the card versus money? Because I liked swiping it, and it was much easier than just counting the cash. Because mm-hmm. then you know how much is really on it. Yeah, that's cool. So how do you get uh, money on your card? Um, I have to do chores, and then I get paid all that money on Friday. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, this is the... We just had a conversation with Greg Merced about busy kids, so we decided to give it a shot in our family. And Zoe's liking it, so we might uh, we might and keep using it. Couch. And she's laying but on the couch. But also, mm-hmm. today... Yeah? Something about Daddy's phone. What about my phone? You showed Mommy something, and you didn't... And you showed Calvin something, but you didn't show me. Oh. And I looked at it on Daddy's phone. <laughs> what did it say? Ice cream. Uh-huh, which is great. And? But flu shots. Oh, flu shots, yes. <laughs> it's flu shot season, everybody. And Zoe does not like shots. Why don't you like shots, Zoe? Because they hurt. They hurt, yeah. Well. They poke something through your skin. I know, they do, yeah. And they got... Yeah, it hurts. But why do we do it? Uh, to make you feel scared? No. <laughs> why do you think we get flu shots? Um, to make you freak out? Nope. To help you not get the flu. To help you not get the flu? Yeah, so but we're going to give you ice cream, so that's awesome, right? After the flu shot, yeah, yeah. You're going to get the flu shot, then you get the ice cream. Uh, Next Saturday. No, like where are we going? We'll go to Coastal, Coldstone. Oh, oh, we'll go to Rite Aid. get the flu shot. We'll go to Rite Aid like we did before. Mm. Why? (laughs) You didn't like Rite Aid? (laughs) (laughs) It was one tiny room. It's a tiny room. scary. Well, we could do it at school if you want. Nine reviews since last month. Why don't you ask your electronic friend here? I'll just hand it to you. You can stay on the couch. I'll just just hand it to you. Alexa, pick a number between one and nine. 
Your random number between one and nine is three. All right. Well, our third review comes in from Massey 2019. And it's entitled One of the Best Financial Podcasts. Wow, I like that title. Are you ready to read it, Zoe? Yeah. Can I read on the count? Yeah, here, I'll bring it to you. Yay! I listen to this podcast every day on my way to work. I love this podcast because Andy covers a variety of topics. All right. Thank you, Zoe, for reading that quick one. And thank you, Massey, for leaving it. I'm going to email you right after our show and ask you which of these awesome books that you would like, and we'll send it to you. So everybody, we're going to be doing this process again next month. So if you want Zoe laying on the couch, reading you your review. I'm not just laying on the couch. She's not just laying on the couch. She's working hard, everybody. Yes, I'm working very hard. Okay, that's quite loud. Um, And yeah, if you want to have her read the review, we're going to do the... Same books. Actually, I think we're going to be doing new books next month because it's a new quarter. Yeah, let's start off with Carol and Doug's book, Carol Pittner and Doug Nordman's book, Raising Your Money Savvy Family for Next Generation Financial Independence. And let's also do Dylan Redling and Allison Tom's book, Start Your Fire. And then the last one, Jed Collins for Your Money Vehicle. Those are our books for this month. Yeah, leave those reviews and you might just own one of these books in a short period of time. Same process. So leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Take a picture of screenshot of that review. Email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. That's it. And that's all you got to do. So leave the review, take a screenshot, email it to me and say, hey, here's my review. Put me in the drawing so Zoe will read my stuff. <laughs> Sound good, baby? You're going to show up again next month? Yes. All right. This month on the show, we've got an incredible lineup and I am pumped to share it with you. So here goes. Next week, September 14th, we have serial entrepreneur Mark Tim, and he's going to share how we can leverage our success at work to become successful with our family at home. The week after that, September 21st, we're answering another listener question, and Derek Saul is going to share the side jobs that he used to pay off his mortgage early. And then the last Monday of the month, September 28th, we've got family finance experts Amanda and Jonathan Texera, and they're going to share the financial side of the adoption process. Last month was our best month ever for downloads, everyone. So I am hopeful that this month in September is going to be even better. So thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please click subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Elizabeth Stone. Making the decision to have a child, it's monumentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking outside your body. Let's raise them up right, everyone. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.